Once again, page 650. And if all found, let us sing together. There's a call come ringing all the restless way. Send a lie, send a lie, send a lie, send a lie. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to say. Send a lie, send a lie, send a lie. I send a lie, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. I send a lie. The blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light, and a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light, I send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. I send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. Let us pray that may everywhere abound. Send the light, send the light. And a Christ-like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light, send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light, send the light. And get those jurors for a crown above. Send the light, send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let us know pages 745. After our next song selection, we have scripture reading and prayer. Pages 745. Humble yourself. Page 745. If all found, let us sing together. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. We're singing, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. Son of God. We're singing, Jesus is the Son of God. And He, He died for us. And, and He, He died for us. 
grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That said a wretch like me, that, that said a wretch like me. When we've been there 10,000 years, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, bright, bright shining as the sun. So why don't you humble yourself in the sight of Lord? Sing it, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And, and he will lift you up. Amen. church. This morning's scripture reading will be taken from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Once again that's Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Word of God reads, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect neglect such a great salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord was confirmed unto us by them that heard him verse 4 God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will May the Lord add a blessing to the readers, to the hearers, and doers of his holy word. Amen. Let us bow and go to our heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth with thanksgiving in our heart. Thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning. We are reading a portion of our health and our strength and clothing our right mind. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to come together and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the one that's here. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. 
We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for blessing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and our jobs. We also thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's here. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the congregation here at San Monica Church of Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down and bless each and every one of us, our families and friends, with the thing, Heavenly Father, you know we stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for every church door open and every person proclaiming your word this morning, Heavenly Father. Most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and were buried and rose again on the third day according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed, that he purchased the church that we are a member of. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline from earth to glory. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's walking in darkness. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll see the light, come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray for our delinquent members. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll come and repent before it's everlasting too late. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment bar. We pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones working on the front line with this pandemic. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue blessing them with the thing, Heavenly Father, you know they stand in need of. Amen. We also pray for the ones that's having going through disasters, especially those in Florida, Heavenly Father. We just pray you'll be with those family and continue strengthening them, Heavenly Father. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, for the bereaved family all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue to comfort them and strengthen them, Heavenly Father, in the way that only you know how. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will bless the doctors and nurses to be with them and uh, minister everything that they need that would be helping them, Heavenly Father. Yeah. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper. He come bring us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen to words. We'll listen towards eternity because these will be eternal matters. He will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but also doers of your word. And Heavenly Father, the thing we learn, we pray, Heavenly Father, we turn with the world, tell people what they must do to be saved. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey, said our last prayer and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, you would look down on us and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. We also pray, Heavenly Father, that this worship service will be done decent and in order. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing. 
and acceptable in your sight. And all these blessings we ask in your son and our Savior Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to place your markers at pages 903 for the Song of Invitation. Pages 903 for the Song of Invitation. And for our next song selection, let us know pages 895. I live in glory. Once again, pages 895. If all found, let us sing together. I'd like to stay here longer than man allotted day And watch the fleeting changes of life uneven way But if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high I'll live with him forever in glory by and by Oh yes, i live in glory I live in glory by and by. I tell and sing love stories there, there on high. There with my dear redeemed, there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory by and by. I want to be a servant along this pilgrim way. And lead the lost to Jesus as fervently I pray. As day by day I travel, I'll keep him ever nigh. And live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I live in glory. I live in glory by and by. I tell and sing love stories there, there on high, there with my dear redeemed, there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory, by and by. The end I know is nearing, by faith I look away to yonder homes up now, the land of endless day. I cling to him forever. And look beyond the sky and live with him forever in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I live in glory. I live in glory by and by. I tell and sing love stories there, there on high. There with my dear redeemed, there'll be no more to die. Oh, yes, I live in glory, glory. By and by. Amen. Let us know pages 19 in our Sacred Selection Songbooks. Pages 19. Sacred Selection Songbooks. <clears throat> Not made with hands. <clears throat> Fall found, let us sing together. Christ went a building to prepare, not made with hands, and till be decked with jewels rare, not made with hands. I know, I know, I have a 
another building I know, I know it's not made with hands. Put on your armor of your God, not made with hands. And take the path the captains trod, not made, not made with hands. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know, it's not made with hands. With shield of faith, defy the foe, not made with hands. Until you hear the trumpet blow, not may, not may, with hand. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know, it's not made with hand. I know, I know, I have another building. I know, I know, it's not made with hand. Then come up, children, get your crown, not made with hand. Let your burden with hand. I know, I know. I know, I know, it's not me. Amen. I know I have another building, uh, not made with hands. The scripture says, eternal in the heavens. And so we're so thankful to God that we can look forward to one day being in heaven's glory. Paul says that there is the expectation that if we fight the fight, we finish the course, uh, if we continue to keep the faith, that one day we will receive a crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give us in that day. And not only to him, that is, it's unto all us who love his appearing. So I know that we have the opportunity to look forward to having another building and not made with hands. John said in a long time ago in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, he said, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I shall come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Now we know Christ is in heaven. And so we know he sits at the right hand of the father and we are waiting uh, for the Lord to send him back so that he can take the church home to glory. So we have another building uh, not made with hands. It is good to be here this morning. Uh, we are uh, on the other side of this, uh, 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 this pandemic. However, I'll have more to speak to about that later. But uh, it, is, it is just so wonderful to know that uh, uh, God is merciful. Uh, and he has shown his mercy and has extended his grace. And I pray that the world recognizes uh, that it wasn't because uh, that we've been so good. It's because God is good. That he has spared us and allowed us to, to make it through this. I want to call your attention to uh, Hebrews chapter 2 as we return once again back to our theme 
uh, and our theme this year is Seeds of the Sower. And I thought it would be good since we are now in the, at the end of the six months uh, of this uh, year uh, to do what I would call a, uh, a synopsis of some of the uh, major thoughts that we began to share with this series of, uh, of sermons uh, at the beginning of this year. Uh, and so I will endeavor to do that this morning and, and, and then help bring, if you will, some more uh, uh, context to uh, uh, some of the things that we'll talk about if God blesses us to live as we move forward into the next six months uh, of this year. Uh, I know that, uh, that uh, the Bible teaches us very clear, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for you know not what a day may bring forth. And that's why I said, if God wills, amen. Amen. I'm going I'm, I'm to leave that in God's hands. Amen. But until he shows his will to be different, I'm going to call forth those things that be not as though they were. And so we're going to continue to preach uh, on, uh, on these things to encourage us as we go forward. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, uh, Paul writes to the diaspora, those who are scattered abroad. Uh, in many respects, these are uh, Jewish Christians, if you will, those who have left Judaism and now have uh, begun to uh, uh, focus their lives and their attentions on Christianity. Uh, they recognize that uh, Christ is the Lord. Uh, he, is the, uh, he is the Lamb of God. He is the Savior uh, of the world. Uh, and so they began to make this transition. They began to uh, think about, and Paul places it in their remembrance. Uh, he places in their remembrance the significance of who Christ is and what he represents. Um, because many of them are still struggling. Many of them are still challenged uh, by this transition. And it is, a, it is a, 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 a mental challenge because remember when we uh, talk about the word of God being hidden or being placed in the heart as the seed, uh, as Luke would record. We're talking about it being placed in your heart, your mental heart, your mind, your spiritual heart. And that's where all the complexities of, of, of rationality take place, all the complexities of, of, uh, of the emotions that we experience in life. They come from here. And, and it's important that we understand that because, you know, we, we, we still, in our uh, unlearned language and mentality, we still... Uh, have a secular understanding of where our behavior comes from, and a lot of people still want to address uh, this heart that has no uh, functionality when it comes to how we behave. This heart doesn't dictate how you behave. Amen. It doesn't dictate how you think, rationalize. It doesn't dictate anything else except for the, the uh, movement of, of, uh, of uh, the oxygen through your blood system, if you will, through the veins uh, uh, of our blood system from one end of the body to the other. That's all this heart does. It is this heart that matters when it comes to the contemplation of God's word. And, 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 and it, is the, uh, uh, it, uh, it is this heart that gives us the pattern by which we will begin to either serve God or reject God. Amen. It is this heart uh, that makes that decision. Amen. And so when we, when we start talking about that, we start looking at, you know, uh, uh, how is it, when uh, the, uh, uh, everyone is hearing the same word, everyone is hearing the same gospel, should be 
Uh, but yet there are some who have chosen to obey the gospel, and then there are those who have chosen not to obey the gospel. And I share with you this challenge because what we're talking about then is a, 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 an issue that stems from the very beginning, and it is an issue of, of sin and the complexities of sin. And the complexities of sin and the, the, the issues of sin and the, the, the challenges of our life uh, dictate what this uh, mind is uh, 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 considering and what it's focused on, amen. We call it a schema. It is, a, it is the pattern, it is the plan upon which this mind is focusing. And so when, 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 when people hear the gospel, remember the gospel is impacting a certain schema. It's impacting a certain pattern of life. And, 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 and until that person or that individual uh, desires to change that pattern, to change how they think, to change, if you will, uh, uh, how they uh, reason, um, they may never obey the gospel. And in not obeying the gospel, then they are left to the ultimate end of being lost. And so when it comes to the, the, the word of God, when it comes to the seed of the sower, the purpose of the seed is to change the schema. It is to change how people think, how people reason. When it comes to uh, life issues in general, but specifically when it comes to the destination of the soul. Because if, if, if it is the case, and it is the case, that everyone understood that there is an eternal life. There is a life after this. Amen. And, 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 and if everyone understood that, 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 that there is a difference between that which is temporal versus that which is eternal, you, you, you would think that people would change the way that they would think. They would see things differently. Amen. Amen. If people were to believe, as the Bible teaches very clearly, that there will be a resurrection and the resurrection will be the resurrection of the soul. The body goes back to the dust of the earth from which it came. But the spirit goes back to God who gave it. So there will be a resurrection of the soul. There will be a resurrection and there will be a change. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the latter verses. There will be the, 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 the transformation from uh, that which is uh, 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 corruptible to that which is incorruptible. There will be a transformation from that which is mortal to that which is spirit. There will be a transformation for we will, all, we, will, we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye for this corruptible must put on incorruption. There will be a change and if the world would come into that realization and understanding that this life is only temporary and there is an eternal life then the world could change for the better. Because people will stop subjectively thinking about what they want to accomplish separate and apart from God. And start looking at life more objectively and start saying, what will God, if you will, allow me to accomplish in my relationship with him? Amen. And that is an impact on our schema, on our pattern of life. And if people are so comfortable in their pattern of life, in their sin, let me tell you something, it will not change. There is a Christian schema. 
There's a way that we need to think. The seeds of the sower is about making sure that the Christians have a way that they ought to be thinking. Sarah and Abraham, as we use them in this discussion from the beginning, were, were, were the ones who, who understood, if you will, that, 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 that uh, uh, focusing in on the things that God desired versus the things that we desire, if you will, subjectively, it was, was, a, was about a transformation of, a, of our schema, of our thinking. Remember, it was through faith. By faith, Abraham, when God instructed him to launch out and go and find a city whose foundation, uh, that had foundations, whose buildup and maker was God, was God, is God, by faith, Abram, Abraham went out and did that. It was through faith that Sarah evolved to get to that point. Now, that shows you two individuals. It was Abraham and Sarah, but they were still two individuals. One individual heard God's word, and, and Abraham was convinced that God could do what he asked him to be, that could be done. Now, there, were, there was no doubt when God says things that are miraculous in this particular day and age, when God said something as miraculous as, a, as, as you were going to have a, have, have a son in your late age, and Sarah was going to give birth, uh, uh, no doubt Abraham, if you will, uh, Abraham said, how is it that the Lord uh, can, can cause me, if you will, to, and Sarah, if you will, to, to have a child in such a late age? Uh, uh, that, that is a natural human response, but Abraham still believed. Amen. Abraham still believed. Now Sarah, her faith grew. And she was proven, it was proven by God, if you will, that God can do what he desires to be done. And, and so it, this is the conversation of, of two individuals receiving God's word. The same truth. The same truth. Sarah received it. Abraham received it. But evolution and change, the the uh, uh the receiving of God's word goes through a process within that individual's mind and it helps that individual to grow, to become what God desires that individual to be, if they're willing to receive it. But then there are those individuals who are who are who are who who who, if you will, will reject God's word. They 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 want to be fashioned after the 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 similitude of the world. They they don't they don't want God's word, and that's why John twelve forty eight says, "He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judges him for the words that I've spoken. The same are going to judge you in the last day, because God understands our schema." There are going to be some who will reject God's word flat out. I don't want God's word. I don't want to change. I, I like what I got. I'm I'm done. Those individuals exist. Those schemas in the world exist. And then there are those, as we were explaining before, there are those who will receive God's word, and over time they will grow into the understanding of a uh, better understanding of God's word, and they will let God's word change and shape and mold their lives. And, and I would dare say that 99.9% .9 of us who are in here are all in that category. Amen. We're allowing God's word to change us. We have not yet obtained perfection. We are letting God's word change us every day. It chips away at us. It helps us to change, to become. We, we, choose, we choose not to fashion ourselves after the similitude of the world any longer. We used to be there, but we're no longer there. 
As Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2 would remind us as Paul wrote to the churches at Ephesus, or the church at Ephesus, he would let them know. He said, we were once, if you will, children of disobedience. We walked after the principalities and the powers of the, of the air, that is, of the world where the devil's influences continue to move individuals. But we chose, we made a decision no longer to be fashioned after the world, but to be fashioned after Christ. That's a change in schema. It's changing how we think, how we reason. Amen. It's a change on how we respond to the challenges of the world. That's why Romans 12, if you will, is so powerful when it's placed in this particular context because it talks about, if you will, be not conformed to this world. Wait a minute. How, how, be not conformed to this world. The, 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 the phrasing in and of itself is a directive. It is a commandment. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. That's a change in schema. When we come into this world as children, when we come into this world and the, and the things that we experience in this world as we grow up through our adolescence and become teenagers and then young adults and then old adults and then old girls, I mean old, older people. It is a transition of schema. We get older and older. We hopefully mature and mature. And hopefully we become better and better. And, and that is the Christian schema. Especially once we've heard the word of God and the seed of God's word is planted in our mind. We become mature in God's word. We're no longer newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. But we're, we're, we're growing to the point where now we are teachers. We, are, we have used the word of God by reason of use. We've now become matured in God's word. And the things that used to affect us before we became matured in God's word don't affect us the same way that it used to. Why? Because our schema has changed. We've become stronger. We've become stronger in God's word. We've become more spiritually mature. Amen. That's very similar to a child that is, is, is born of a woman and then eventually grows up. Things that used to affect that the, the, the child doesn't affect the Adult and younger, the young adult and the adult, as it did when they were a child. They respond differently. They act differently. Amen. Some would say they act worse. <laughs> but there's a change nonetheless. The change in schema. And so the Christian mind, the Christian heart, must begin to embrace God's word. In such a way that it can begin to put away those things that are of the world. In order for us to mortify the deeds of our body, the deeds of the old man. Lord have mercy. The old man is the, the, the one that walked after the principalities and the powers of the air. The one that succumbed to the desires and lusts of the flesh. That's the old man. The old man is the one that has been influenced by the, the patterns and practices of, of the devil. That's the old man. Oh, that's who he is. You might as well say amen. Romans chapter 6 makes it very clear. Just because you don't say amen, it still don't mean it ain't true. Amen. We, we old man. Okay? He's, he's an old goat. And he followed after the practices of the world. And that's why 1 John chapter 2, 15 says, love not the world. 
Neither the things that are in the world. For all that's in the world is the lust of the eye and the pride of life. That's the old man. That's the old man. The new man arises to walk in the newness of life, and the new man is a new creature in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 becomes a new creature. And he doesn't become a new creature because somehow his fleshly body changes or her fleshly body changes. That, that, that's not the newness that God is talking about. He's talking about the schema. They think differently. Reason differently. Rationalizes differently. Not looking any longer to fashion itself after the things of the world, but looking to fashion itself after the things of God. This is the schema. This is the Christian schema. Let me give you a, uh, uh, a scripture text here for you to, uh, you to consider. Look at, look at Romans chapter 6. Look at Romans chapter 6. And let, me, let, me, let me just uh, drop down and give you a few thoughts here. Uh, when you look at Romans chapter 6 and you, and, 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 and you, you look at verse number, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start at verse number 9, amen. I, I could start further up, but, but I, I don't have time to deal with all this. But Romans chapter 6 and, and verse number 9, look what he says. Knowing, see, see, knowing. I, 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 that's why I started there, knowing, right? Knowing. No, knowing is an idea of knowledge, wisdom, understanding. That comes from here, not from here. Oh, I just know in my heart that you, no, you don't know nothing right here. You, you, you need to get it right here. This is, the, this is the place of knowing, right? That's where the seed is, right? This is the place of knowing. So, so, so the writer, Paul, gives it to the church of Rome. He says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. You got to know this. If you're going to change your life, you got to know this. If you don't know that Christ died for your sins and that that heaven that's on the other side is not because of how good you have been, but it's because how good God is. If you don't know this, you're going to have some problems trying to make it into heaven. Because see, knowing that it's because of Christ's death that we have an opportunity to be here today, it keeps you humble. It keeps you humble. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be in worship this morning. Because you didn't have to let me be in worship this morning. But you did. And I thank you for that. Amen. Amen. And see, it keeps you, it keeps you focused on humility. You know, when you start thinking, oh, I don't need, you know, I'm just here because, you know, because I'm here. You know, the Lord, it, let me tell you something. You don't have to be here. That's why every morning you hear me, if God blesses me to remember, I say, it's good to be here. Because <laughs> you could be somewhere else. God says, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, eternal life. Death hath no more dominion over him, verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, that's why you got to know something. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be what? To be dead indeed unto sin. Amen. I like the word reckon. That's one of our country words, right? Reckon. Amen. I reckon it's going to rain today. I always wonder, what do you mean reckon? What is it? Anyway. Knowing, understanding, comprehending is from the spiritual heart. And that's why the seed is planted there. 
I reckon that ye, if you understand this, that you understand that you too are now dead indeed unto sin, but you are alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That is the Christian schema. Every morning I wake up, I recognize that my life is hid in Christ. Not that I am so worthy, but that he's worthy. And so my life is hid in him, and, 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 and that's my Christian schema. And, and, and every day I'm going to strive to be worthy of that. Are y'all with me this morning? This is about the seed, the synopsis of it, and why it's important for us to understand these series of lessons that have come from the Scripture to help us to understand that we need to know this. We need to know this. A lot of people in their religion, and, and you know, I, I pray that they're as um, Nathaniel was. When Jesus saw Nathaniel from a long way off, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, 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 God understood, Jesus understood that he was not far from the kingdom. There are a lot of people who are striving to see God and striving to, 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 to understand Christ and striving to understand his word. And, 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 and prayerfully through faith, they will come into the understanding that they need to obey the gospel before it's everlasting and eternally too late. And, and so what we, what, what, what our, if you will, focus needs to be is to help people come into the understanding that, that, that the Holy Spirit is not going to save you outside of you knowing. You've got to know. A lot of people think, oh, when the Holy Spirit gets ready to save me, he'll save me. That's not how it works. You've got to know. John 8 and 32 and 31, when John says, Jesus says to the disciples, to the Jewish disciples in specific, he talks about them knowing, right? He talks about them knowing something. You've, you've got to understand that when, when it comes down to God's word, he says, look, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my seed, my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you show what? Know the truth. You shall know the truth. You, you, you've got to come into an understanding of the truth. You, 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 you have to understand, if you will, when you come into the knowledge of the truth, when you come into the knowledge of his word, then when you come into the knowledge of his word, then you can move forward in life. But you've got to know it. It's not something that comes to you through osmosis. You just don't absorb it. You've got to know it. It's not enough for the preacher to preach it. You've got to know it. You've got to know it for yourself. Because knowing God's word and understanding God's word, amen, is, 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 is the difference between you showing up for worship and you knowing what worship is about. Lord have mercy. He says... If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Knowing puts you on a pathway of perpetual growth in the Lord. And I say this, and I say this with all sense of urgency. Because see, none of us know where death is. 
But we do know death is coming. And if it is the case that your, your knowing is based on another individual, which makes it external of you, what happens when that individual dies? Does your knowing now go with that individual? That's why you have to know the truth for yourself. You got to know it for yourself. You, you, it has to become part of your schema, right? Because no matter what happens in the world, no matter what changes go on in the world, no matter what challenges the influences of Satan has left in the world that changes people's lives, even if they begin to throw away the Bible and start burning books, amen, like they did in the Old Testament and the New Testament, if they start burning books like they did in other countries, they didn't even want knowledge about these things anymore. So they started burning books and destroying knowledge, amen. Somebody's got to know what the truth is. Somebody's got to know the truth is what the truth is, because guess what? That leaves you as the seed in that moment. To help those who don't know. But if you don't know and they don't know. There is a scripture that said, if the blind lead the blind. (laughs) They both shall fall into the ditch. And that ditch there isn't what you think it is in the material sense, because a lot of you all probably think in a ditch like somebody trips and falls into a hole. When he's talking about if the blind lead the blind, they both going to fall into the ditch. That ditch is hell. Because if you don't know the truth, the truth cannot set you free if you don't know it. But you've got to know the truth. And Jesus said to the disciple, to the to the Jewish disciples, primarily, he says, look, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. I think I gave you the scripture, John chapter 8, 31. If you, you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Right. And that free is free from sin. Back in Romans chapter six, where we pick up our lesson again, we, we, we see in Romans chapter 6, well, what is it that they needed to know, Jesus? What is it that they needed to know? In Romans chapter 6, in verse number 12, he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me, Lord, it is my choice whether or not sin reigns in my life? Yes. Do you not (laughs) know you not that you don't have to be the person that God does not desire, but you can, in fact, become the person that God sees as worthy. It's your choice. It's your choice. But it comes by you knowing the truth. It comes by you knowing the truth. Uh, and so, so when, 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 you know, when we become fashioned as Christ, when we, we, be, we, when we see even, even Jesus shows us, if you will, when, when he came down from heaven's glory, then remember what Jesus brought. Jesus brought the seed with him. Jesus is the manifestation, if you will, uh, uh, and the, the, not only the manifestation, but he's the materialization of God's word. He was the word and is the word in the beginning. In the beginning, John chapter 1, John, the gospel of John, verse, uh, chapter 1, in the beginning was God and the word was God. He is the manifestation of God's, as God's word. And John 12 and 48 makes it very clear. 
That that is the manifestation. That is what he brought here. He said, I didn't preach, I didn't teach what I wanted to teach subjectively, but what I taught was what God gave me, the Father gave me. And that's what I taught. That's what I gave to the world. I gave what God gave me. So even Jesus says, it is an objective understanding of truth. Because that truth comes from God. But he goes on and says, let not therefore your, therefore, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. We can be different. We can become fashioned as Christ. I remember in the, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, remember what, 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 what Paul church said to the church at Philippi. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go there for a moment in Philippians chapter 2. Let's go there for a moment. Let this mind be in you. Since we're, we're, we're talking about where the seed is planted and how, and how it begins to uh, uh, change our hearts and our minds. In Philippians chapter 2, look what he says. He says in, in Philippians chapter 2. In verse number five, look what he says. Let this mind be in you, which was also uh, in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery uh, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If we go make it into heaven, somebody has got to know what it means to be the carrier of the cross. And the Bible says that Jesus carried the cross and we bear our own crosses. But we do it in the obedience of God. That one day, just as Christ was risen, so shall we be risen. That we will go into heaven's glory. The Bible says, and going on in Philippians chapter 2, look what else he says. Wherefore God, verse number 9, wherefore God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And he says, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more, but much more, but much more in my absence, work out! Your own salvation with fear and trembling. We got to work this thing out. We have to do it with humility, humility, knowing that God has given us the seed so that we may know who Christ is. And by knowing who Christ is, by knowing who Christ is and what he died for, he becomes our focus in all that we do as we strive to make heaven our home. It has to become objective. It has to become, it has to become, if you will, the, 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 the change that we saw in Sarah. It has to become letting the mind of Christ become you. That has to become, that must be the focus of what we do going forward. It can no longer be fashioned after the world. It must become fashioned after Christ. It has to, if we're going to make heaven our home.
I wish I had time to deal with all of this. It, 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 can't only, it can't only be in your mouth. It has to be in your heart. Amen. We, we, we can't only just run around and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But it has to be in your heart because, see, if I'm a Christian is in your heart, then you can begin to change and actually become that which you are professing that you are. Not in your mouth. Not only in your mouth. But it must become part of your heart. So in Hebrews, let me quickly bring this to a culminating point. So in Hebrews, what do we find? Paul writes to them and he says, look. He says, I need you to understand that you need to give earnest heed. And that's why I went to this. Because therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed. Heed is not limited to the idea of just audibly hearing what God has said. But when you heed something, it's that I have not only heard what God has said, but now I understand what his will is, and therefore I'm now going to, I'm going to implement that in my life. That's what it means to heed. And we heed it with a, earnestly. We heed it with a true heart. We understand, if you will, with a true heart, uh, uh, if you will, that, that, that this is what God has desired. And since God has desired it, I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to grow into it. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to strive after it. I'm going to press forward toward it until I reach it, which is heaven's glory. It's an everyday struggle. It's a moment-to-moment struggle. Amen. Don't be looking at me like that. Sometimes y'all want to curse folk out, and it only been five seconds ago when you left the building. It's a, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Don't say out loud. Okay, well, too late. No, it, but, but, but that's the struggle. It's from moment to moment. Day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. It's a struggle. But Paul said, not that I've obtained perfection, but this one thing I do, I press forward. Paul understood it. Paul understood it. you got to press forward. Amen. And that's why Paul says, in my pressing forward, look what's happening to Paul. In his pressing forward, when you look at the 1 Corinthians 9 and 27, when he's pressing forward, Paul says, look, this is one thing I do. When he's pressing forward, he says, he says look, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. Amen. Paul said, I understand this is a struggle. But I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection. I've got to transform. I've got to change. And in order for me to do that, I've got to bring this body, this flesh, this sin into subjection. And I can only do it with God's word. I can only do it with the seed. If I don't have the seed, I can't bring anything into subjection. Because what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to bring this body into subjection when I don't have God's word. But Paul says, I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection that while I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. But, and so in Hebrews, he says, look, he says, he says, 
We ought to give the most earnest heed with truthfully following. You, look, you have to follow God in spirit and in truth. You got to follow him in spirit and truth. John chapter 4. You've got to follow him in spirit and in truth. Just put it in your notes. Right? God seeketh such for those who worship him. Worship him in spirit and in truth. Right? If you're not truthfully, truthfully trying to change your life, then you are wasting your time being in worship. You might as well go watch the playoffs. Amen. At least you get some type of physical joy for a temporary moment. But if you're not trying to change your life, if you're not really trying to become the Christian that God wants you to be so that your soul can see eternal life, then all these things we do in terms of having a Christian schema and changing how we think and changing how we live is a waste of time. It's a waste of your time. Amen. But I believe in God's word, and I believe that you believe in God's word. And I believe that you understand that the power of God's word is meant to change our lives so that our souls can be found worthy to enter into heaven's glory. Paul goes on in Hebrews 2, and he says, look. He says, which you have heard. Which you have heard, right? Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest, thing, earnest heed to the things which we have heard. That's why Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Brother, go back, why are you always preaching on faith? Why are you always preaching on sin? Why are you always preaching on the one church? So you can know. So that you can know how to change your life. Amen. If you want to study Socrates and Immanuel Kant and Hobbes and, and Plato and Aristotle, go take a class. Here we talk about spiritual truth. To learn how to save our souls. Because I don't, how, I don't care how eloquently Aristotle talks about uh, 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 hum, human, human existence. I don't care how Plato waxes over the creation of the universe and the stars and the skies. I don't care how these words are, are brought together in the most wonderful poems, if you will, of, uh, 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 of, 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 these, of these writers of the time gone by. None of that stuff can save your soul. None of it. But God's word can. And so we preach on faith. We preach on truth. We preach on the one, the, the one church. We preach on these things that are able to save your soul. That's what worship is about. Worship is about coming together, about hearing the things that are able to save our souls so that we can change our lives for we can be found worthy of God. Because let me tell you something. When 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says, for we all must stand before the judgment bar of God and give an account of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or evil, let me tell you something. You better know. Better know. And I know one person you're going to need to know. You may not need to know me. As a matter of fact, let me rephrase that. You won't need to tell God that you know me. That's your last issue. Amen. But you need to, but, but somebody, not only do you need to know him, that somebody needs to know you. And that's Jesus. Amen. You don't want to be standing before the judgment bar, and it's a metaphorical judgment bar. I don't think God going to have us all standing in line. But the principle is what matters. 
you're going to need to know who Jesus is. And Jesus is going to need to know you. Because you don't want him to say what he said to those in Matthew 7 and 21, that in the last days when things come into an end and, and all things, are, if you will, are culminating into the event of the destination of eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. You don't want Jesus, to hear, you don't want to hear these words from Jesus, depart from me. Ye that worketh iniquity, for I never knew. You want to know Jesus. And you want Jesus to know you. Back in Hebrews chapter 2, he goes on, he says, look, and, 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 and I'm, I'll say this to the benefit, especially those of us, uh, uh, the, the, when it comes to the study of God's word, we need to know who's being spoken to and why they are being spoken to and who's doing the speaking. And so when you look at this text, understand something, that all of the epistles that are in the biblical text, especially the New Testament text, they're being written to the church. They're being, they're being written to people who have, who have claimed that they are professing Christ. Amen. And they're striving to live Christian lives. And that's why I talked about this as being the Christian schema, right? And, and so they, they're striving to live Christian life. But he says to him, look, he says, he says, he says you must give uh, uh, the, uh, more earnest heed to those things which you have heard, lest at any time, lest at any time, Lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, 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 the word them here is italicized, especially if you have the King James 1611. The italicized word there by the publishers is to let you know that in the original Greek, them wasn't there. So the word them there is to try to give clarification to the sentence structure. But if you remove the them, it doesn't change the meaning of the structure itself. As a matter of fact, if you move the word them from this text, I'm not saying change God's word. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you remove the italicized word, I believe if you look at it, it becomes even more powerful without the them. Because the them is already implied. But I'll leave that for another discussion. I'll leave that for the master's class. But it says, look, lest at any time we should let slip. We should let slip. What slip? God's word slip. The them is just simply letting you know they're talking about the word. That's what you have heard. Amen. Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest heed to those things which ye have, to the things which we have heard. Heard what? God's word. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lest at any time we should let slip. Don't stop preaching God's word. Don't stop teaching God's word. Don't let it slip. And the word slip here is a very interesting word. The word slip here is so interesting because some of us will look at it and as we translate it into the, from, from, uh, the, uh, uh, into our regular uh, uh, English language and we, 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 we look at the idea of the word slip and, and, and what we do is we, we, we give it the English meaning It's an old English word. And this word here 
is about being tethered and not being tethered. The idea of being uh, of Christmas here is so powerful that when it comes to the Christian tree, it, it makes it it makes it even uh, clearer when it comes to us understanding why it's so important to continue to preach the rest. When Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing in his kingdom, preach the rest. Be instant in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heed to themselves teachers, patting into the ears, they shall turn their ears away from the truth, They'll be turned into fables. But watch out in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of the evangelist. Make no proof of your ministry. He's talking about when people get so comfortable, or if you will, irresponsible in their comfortableness that they begin to drift away from God's word. That's what he means by slip. And let me tell you something. Not only have a whole lot of folk been tripping, they've been slipping. Tripping and slipping is two different things. When it comes to slipping here in this text, it talks about the drifting away. And what we have is when individuals are not focused, when they're not taking heed, when they're not constantly understanding how God's word needs to change their life, what happens is they become more comfortable in what they're doing and should not be doing. And the more comfortable they become in that, they begin to slip away. Tethered to a dock by a rope chain web. And somehow that connecting piece comes loose from the dock. And now since there's nothing holding that boat to the dock, it is now slipping away. It is drifting away from the dock. And let me tell you something. When that boat starts drifting away from the dock and it has no guide, no direction, that means it goes anywhere and everywhere that the tide will take it and the wind will blow it. Amen. Woo! I, boy, I, 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 see... Let me, let, me, let me tell you something. I, I think I said so. I think the word of God said so. Amen. amen. Ephesians chapter 4 says, amen. Be not tossed to and fro. I'm 
going to let that rest there. It seems like y'all need to, need to absorb that. It's all right. Some things you just got to grow. You got to grow to. But let me tell you something. The world has untethered itself from God's word. And now you see the world being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. There is no tethering anymore. There's no tether to God's word. There's nothing holding, if you will, those individuals to God's word. So let me tell you something, what the seed is. The seed represents your tethering. The seed keeps you connected to God's will. When you don't have the seed, you're not connected to God's will. And when, you don't have, when you're not connected to God's will, you are subject to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. And so what you have here, he says, look, he says, at any time, at any time, at any time, you can let them slip. Brother Culpepper, I've been a member of the church for 40 years. I don't care. You need to hold on to God's word because at any time, it could slip. It could slip. Don't hold on to it. Only to find how to become more generationally relevant. Teach them the word. <laughs> I wish I had time. We'll, we'll, God bless us to live. We'll come back and finish some of this. But but let me let me. The reason why that the idea of uh, of slipping away from God's word is so important. Remember. Because part of the seed of the sower is that we have to communicate this to the next generation. But if you slip so if you slip so far away from God's word, how is the next generation going to know what truth is? You look just like the world. There's no distinction being made. At one time, we used to talk about how the Church of Christ was distinctive. Now it's like, okay, well, which building are you report? Who you calling the Church of Christ? But at any time, you'll let them slip. And so the slipping away causes you to drift, and you're, you're, you're drifting, and you're being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Anything goes, and everything goes. And, and, when, and when that happens, let me tell you something, you're no longer anchored. The anchor of your soul is Christ. That's what Hebrews teaches us. He is the anchor of the soul. And if you're not tethered, if you're not, if you're not, if, you're, if the seed of God's word is not in your heart, in your mind, you're not tethered to him any longer. You're not anchored. Your soul isn't anchored anywhere. He says, lest at any time we should, we should let them slip. Verse number two. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast. And, 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 and that's, that, that's it's just another powerful statement. I mean, Paul is Paul is really laying it out here, right? He he let look. If it was good enough for the angels, why is it good enough for you? <laughs> if, if it's okay for the heavenly beings, why why is it okay for you? It was spoken by angels, messengers of God. Those messengers of God are in the Old Testament and they're in the New Testament. But nevertheless, they're messengers of God. And he says, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, I mean steadfast, it was grounded, it was anchored, it was tethered. Let me tell you something, when an angel 
chose not to be tethered to God any longer, they were kicked out. Amen. Amen. And you know who we you know who we identify as that angel? The devil and his angels. You know why? Because they no longer chose to be tethered to God's word. But those who did, Michael, Gabriel, others who fought against Satan. Well, I wish I had time. Because not only did they fight against Satan in the spiritual realm, when Moses died, they fought over Moses' body. Because <laughs> they didn't even want Moses being the, the first human mediator of God's Ten Commandments to man. He fought the, they, they fought with the wicked ones over, over the possession of Moses' body. I wish I had time. Let's go on. So he says, look. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? That's powerful. He says, look, the, the, the angels that sinned were cast out. They were subject to God's word. How, how shall we escape? By being disobedient to God's word, you're not going to escape. It's going to judge you. It's going to judge you, as John 12, 48 says, as we had quoted earlier. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judges him. For words that I've spoken, the same are going to judge you in the last day. God's word judged the angels in heaven. God's word judged the early creation, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And the devil himself. God's word judged him. Amen. Remember the devil was judged by God's word. Because he from, from the, the, the serpent that was being used as an instrument of the devil's influence on Eve. I don't have time to deal with all that. Because every time you see a snake that ain't the devil. Matter of fact I've seen some snakes with two arms and two legs. And I ain't got time for that. Amen. But. The influence that the devil used, the, the, the serpent at that time being the instrument through which the devil worked, influenced Eve. And then God's word judged him. Not only did God judge the animal, God judged Satan himself. For he said that, that, that the seed that would come into the world, which would be in the form of Christ, Galatians chapter 4, which would be in the form of Christ, he would bruise his heel, that is Satan, and, 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 and Jesus will bruise Satan's head. He will triumph over him. Colossians 2. You see, God's word judged Satan. God's word cast Satan out of heaven. And whether you want to call him Beelzebub or Lucifer or Satan or the devil or the dragon, whatever you want to call him, whatever descriptor you want to give him, God's word has judged him. And that is why Satan waits for the ultimate judgment. And the ultimate judgment is when God causes all of his creation to end. Amen. Satan already knows where he's going. The question is, will he have company?
The angels kept it. Those who kept it were steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? If we neglect God's word, if we reject God's word, you're pushing away your salvation, the salvation of your soul, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness with both signs and wonders, with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Paul lets us know that this seed is so important. This seed is about changing our life. It cannot be something that we only preach about. It can't be something that we only talk about. It's got to be something that is manifested in your life, in your mind first, and then manifested in your behavior secondarily. The seed of the sower, that's what this is about. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to drift away from God's word. You've come so far. He's brought you so far. And each of us remember where we were. Don't, you know, look, maybe I don't know all the intricacies of where you were and the nuances of how you were where you were and how you got to where you are today. But you know who does know? You know! God knows! And he's brought you from a mighty long way. Don't let the influence of Satan cause you to drift away from your great salvation. Because we want to make we want to make heaven our home. May God bless you. May God keep you. The Bible says in Romans 10 and 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith it's impossible to please God, but he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. God knows what our needs are. We pray that we repent of your sins. The Bible says that uh, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3 and 5. Acts 17 and 30, God commandeth every man everywhere to repent. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. One day with God is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like one day. But wishing none to perish, but that all should come unto repentance. God wants you to be saved. Confessing Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. Romans 10 and 9, with the mouth we confess Christ Jesus. Romans 10 and 10, with the heart, with the heart, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Going down in the watery grave of baptism, where the old man is put to death, crucified, and the new man arises to walk in the newness of life. No longer, no longer being fashioned after the things of the world, but in the spiritual realm, being fashioned after the things of God. God said that he will add you to the church, add you to the church of Christ, add you to his body, add you to the kingdom. This is what God does. That's on his end. What we do is preach the word. When one believes it and wishes to uh, 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 be obedient to God, we put you in the water. The Bible makes it very clear that spiritually, spiritually, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. It's time for you to come. It's time for you to come right now. As we stand and as you, we sing the invitational song, why don't you come? It's 9.36.
page 936. Church, say amen. Amen. I want to thank Brother Copet for a fine message this morning. We all will be able to make use of it and live by it. Amen. Forever and ever keeping God in, in remembrance and his word. Amen. So we don't slip. <laughs> amen. That's good. Um, from his labors, um, I have a very own Sister Stewart. Uh, she wants prayer. Sister Stewart. Good morning, uh, church. Uh, Brother Cole Pepper, your message was so graceful and so needed. Thank you so very much. Amen. And I just come this morning um, asking the church to pray for me and my husband and to pray for me. Um, matter of fact, we've been married 23 years today. Amen. So I ask the church to pray for us that we be kind to each other. And th th thank you very much. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> God bless both of you. God bless your union. Amen. Amen. Um, I have a card for the Tolliver family. Um, we're, we're asking prayers for a traveling grace, the Tolliver family, all of us. <laughs> uh, also, I have a card from uh, Sister Rachel Tolliver. She, she, she wants to confess sin, and uh, she has a written statement on the back of her card. She says, uh, Church, I have sinned and have asked God for forgiveness. Also, church, please continue to pray for me as I prepare to move to Texas to start graduate school, Rachel Amen. Tolliver. Amen. 
from our members. I have Sister Shirley Wiggins. Uh, she's asking, she's desiring prayer. She says, please pray for myself and my family. Sister Shirley Wiggins. And Sister Erica Chandler, our very own sister, she's desiring prayer as well. She says, um, she's praying for a special need, Sister Chandler. That's all the cards that I have at this time. I uh, ask that you would bow your heads and go with me in a word of prayer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It is in your presence we come with bowed heads and grateful hearts. Just thanking you, Father, for loving us more than we love ourselves and also for guiding us with your word. Thank you, Father, for your manservant who, who came and um, preached so boldly. And thank you, Father, for his love and his dedication. But most of all, Father, we pray and ask that you would continue to bless us, uh, continue to bless Sister Stewart and her, her union uh, with her husband. Uh, uh, we thank you, Father, for uh, everyone's union, all those who are uh, become uh, uh, wedded or married. We pray, Father, ask that you would just continue to bless everyone who, who's in need. We ask, uh, continue, always ask continued prayers for the nurses and doctors on, on the front line. And as, as we move through this uh, time period we call the pandemic and sort of come to the end, we just pray, Father, that you continue to help us to move forward and, and stay healthy and continue to uh, look out for one another. Thank you, Father, for blessing us to still be here today. Amen. We know our loved ones and others have passed on, but you have blessed us and kept us here. May we continue to always keep, be obedient to your word. May, may we continue to always uh, show love one to another, which would exhibit that we're disciples of yours. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for answering our prayers with a yes or no answer. These prayers and all prayers, Father, we do ask. In the name of your darling Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Church, let us know pages 324. And at this time, let us prepare our hearts and our minds for communion. And my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a one as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. 